Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sacred Emergence. I have such a treat for you all. Today with us is Betsy Murphy, who is a writer, a teacher, and a performer. And I'm so excited to have you here, Betsy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, you and I met like at a Koya retreat, I think, back in, I don't know, like 2015? Seven, yeah, seven or eight years ago. Yeah. In, in Bali, even in better. Bali. Was it Bali? Yeah, yeah. Bali. Um, and I feel like I might have already gotten your book, like the, the It had just come out in 2014, okay. uh, at the end of 2014. Uh, yeah, and so we were in Bali, I think in, yeah, 2015. Yeah. And so it's just been really fun seeing your like, because I think you've held like since then, you've held a lot of Koya retreats in Bali Mm -hmm. um, and you've held a lot of writing workshops. And I'm so excited to dive into today's topic on writing an orgasm. I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) that is incredible. Um, So, yeah, I'm just excited to dig in and, and see what's going to come up. Good. I feel like the topic of writing an orgasm um, really defined two places in my life that we can get stuck. Because mm, <laughs> yes. uh, they talk about writer's block and we talk about, I mean, my first book talked about why I faked orgasm. And, you know, when you say that at first, you know, people oh, laugh or, or then there's something wrong with you. And, you know, nothing was wrong with me. It was, uh, I lived in a um, culture that silences women. And so I didn't have the conversation, the words were six to speak up about what happened to me. But then when I was 40 and was still having assaults against my body, I uh, still wasn't speaking up. So literally our, our body can get stuck mm-hmm. with emotions um, and leading to not being able to feel our natural way to express ourselves in the same way that we can get writer's block. Oh my gosh, that's like... That, just that parallel, like that connection, and especially with your work now, because you teach writing, Mm -hmm. and you've written books, and you know, you do movement, like you teach movement and stuff, so it's just, it's beautiful to see how it's all like unfolded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. You know, it's interesting, because when I was, when I started Koya, which was more than 10 years ago, and the first retreat I ever went on, uh, I mean, if people don't know, Koya is a combination of, of dance, yoga, and feminine movement, but there's no way to do it wrong. And what you're doing is paying attention to uh, the places in your movement that feel good and doing more of the, that. And at the time, I couldn't feel anything on my in my body, my lower half of my body. I was doing quietly doing this orgasm research in my late forties, trying to understand why I couldn't feel anything. And it's interesting because when people say, well, you know, I've had similar experiences that you've had. I, I've never felt safe in my body or I was um, raped in college or 
had some sort of trauma uh, and something's wrong with me, you know, what do I do? And what I don't say is, oh, go to this, you know, sex expert or go read this book. It's you are the expert on your body. And I was, a, that's what I had to do to become the expert on my body. And, and so it wasn't just about understanding how my um, body worked um, uh, just through uh, the connection uh, with my genitals. It also, uh, Koya was such a, um, a great influence in understanding um, how doing the movements of my body that felt good and doing more of those. And that's directly related to what we want to accomplish in orgasm, like what feels good and can we do more of that and what doesn't feel like really being present. And so many of us, especially um, our partners who, I mean, I, I feel bad. I didn't say enough to my partners offering saying, slow down or go even slower. Mm. Uh, I mean, they were raised on a sex that looks uh, like it's hard and fast and that we see in movies and, and, and this is not what our bodies want. So it's just um, one thing I do in writing retreats and in, if I'm working with women uh, on reclaiming their bodies is I just ask them to do something for 15 minutes. So whether it's exploring their genitals for 15 minutes or exploring their giving themselves a self massage for 15 minutes uh, or uh, writing uh, from a writing prompt for 15 minutes, you don't have to do it more than that. It's just starting to retrain your body. Um, and the one thing when I was like too scared to, you know, go, I don't know in my, you know, I'm in my forties and here's on my bucket list to have an orgasm. Most people's bucket list for being 50 is like traveling the world. And I'm like, I just want to have an orgasm before I die. Oh my goodness. But like nobody knew that. And, and, um, and once again, I just started this practice of 15 minutes a day and I won't say how many days it took. And once again, this is no, um, you know, no teachers, no toys, no nothing, just myself, my hands, my bodies, our fingers have, mm. uh, um, other than our genitals, our fingers have um, uh, the highest number of uh, neural pathways on them. So, you know, it's okay to explore with toys, but let your fingers know your body too, because you're going to have so much more uh, feeling uh, if you understand your body first before you go to the toys. <laughs> I love that. And I just love like, like your perspective on like not going to an expert and like be your own expert. And that's like so much of like, when I talk about inner leadership, it's like, you have like, you already have the tools within you. And so like, this is such a personal journey, especially with like an orgasm. So I just love that you invite people to go in within themselves first um, and to explore that because at the end of the day, that's what's most important, right? That we really know ourselves. Yeah, I and I think we we live in this um, of, uh, world of um, we do need support. So it's great that we can talk to our friends about it. And maybe you do need the support of a, a, of a class or a book or a coach. But in the end, do what feels good for you. So uh, one thing I did was the um, worked with a jade egg for a while um, mm -hmm. a, until I realized like I was done with it. So just because something worked for me doesn't mean, you know, everybody else has to rush out and take that course. A, a big thing for me was people uh, after reading my book started asking me who was the yoni massage therapist you worked with? Who did you work with? Um, 
And once again, working with the yoni massage therapist, the type of work I did was because I was literally couldn't feel anything on the inside. When we experienced trauma and mine had been unexpressed for 40 years, I literally couldn't feel anything on the inside of, of my vagina. So working with this massage um, therapist uh, is, you know, some people are like, your pain for someone to, you know, you know, like uh, masturbate you. And I was like, no, this is, I couldn't feel anything. So, yeah. but, but the, what was interesting was after my experience, uh, people were saying, who did you go to? Who did you go to? And I um, started to take the training to become a yoni massage therapist and halfway through stopped because I'm not against it. And actually if people are interested, the one person I recommend is Bonnie Bliss. Uh, and that's her website. She's out of Australia and anybody she's trained is excellent. But I didn't want a woman to have to, who had already experienced damage and trauma to put themselves in a situation where they could do more damage and trauma. And in the end, I was the one that needed to know my body. Mm. So it was being so patient with myself, but not booking myself into, you know, three hours today, I'm going to figure out, you know, uh, my yoni. It was, you know, 15 minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time. There's a, a book several years ago that said you can become an expert if you do anything for 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm, right. So I'm like, I'm going to commit to this. And 15 minutes a day, it could take like up to, you know, 40 years, but I'm going to commit to this. And, but I really just, uh, I want people to really know their body. And as women, uh, you know, for over 2000 years, we have been, uh, information about our bodies has been supp suppressed. Information of using our voice has been suppressed. And so we need to start uh, feeling sensual in our bodies and having an orgasm uh, is our body's natural way to express itself. Mm. And in the same way that with writing and doing spoken, wor spoken word is another way to express ourselves. Uh, and so going to writing, I, um, I compare it right now to, I've done a lot of therapy and, and therapists are wonderful, but when I started writing was when um, my healing uh, really processed because I was able to have a lot of, was able to figure things out in my life and connect the dots of things that had happened 40 years ago and where I am now and understanding myself. And it felt very empowering. In the same way that, um, uh, like Maria Kondo, the who does the decluttering, right, right. Uh, you know, her book. Uh, I feel like writing, even for 15 minutes a day, part of it is begins to declutter all these unexpressed stories mm. that live in our hearts that are unspoken. And and at first, people uh, will start writing and go, "This is just terrible writing." And I'm like, "Just keep writing, keep writing," because we have to get out all that. Uh, all that unexpressed um, part places of our of our of our heart and our pain before we can really get to what our soul wants to say. So just do it for you know 15 minutes a day and and you know do your own inner cleaning and that's what writing to me. You know I did it because I always felt like I was a writer and I I loved it, but I didn't realize that it would be part of my medicine and part of my healing. Mm, and I love that you, it's like, yeah, it's like small, right? The 15 minutes a day. And I just love like, it's uh, just what you were saying, going back to like with orgasm, it's like, go with what feels good, continue with what feels good. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't know, there's just, there's just something so beautiful with that because especially with writing, it's like being gentle on ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. so that we don't have to like, ah, I don't even, it's like, especially with writing that's personal and it's reflective. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that can be judged as good or bad. Mm -mm. Yeah. We, in uh, the writing circles, when I do workshops or retreats, we have a, you know, word that if people, you know, we'll write for 15 minutes and I just give them a prompt and it might be, um, um, you know, tell about the last time you trusted your, your intuition and, and then they just write for 15 minutes and it may end up being a story about their intuition. It may end up being a story about how they didn't trust their intuition or maybe something else, but it's just trusting that wants to come through in the moment. And then we go around in a circle and read our stories and every single person will want to say, uh, you know, this isn't very good or I'm not a good writer. And they have the option to opt out, but they also have the option um, to start their story with. And I, I learned this from a friend who was in a writing retreat with me um, to start it with uh, the phrase, get a load of this. And then you read your story. So it just is, and so usually we all end up saying that, you know, at the beginning, because we're like, no, in 15 minutes, we don't expect a masterpiece. But you know what? In 15 minutes, we, when we hear the story that come, comes through, I'm always amazed because we're always leaning in and, and want to know more. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I always talk about writing like being a way for the soul to express itself. And, um, and, and this is why I asked for our words to be witnessed as women up until now, 80% of the books and, and, and more than 80% of the movies that have come out have been by men. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to balance out the women's, women's voices in the world. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised when I published my first book, I, you know, I had healed my body. I'd healed everything. I felt good in my body. And but I got up to speak at a, a book event and I started reading my story that I'd written and I start my throat clenched, my shoulders hunched over and I started crying and I couldn't, mm. you know, and I kept going, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm okay. I'm okay. And I realized that's because I wasn't used to speaking the story. And once again, we know that the, um, the throat is connected to the, uh, the solar plexus and, and the chakras, the first, second, and third chakra, um, but especially the second ch chakra. And so if, you, um, if you're healing one area, you, it's going to impact the other area. And so I, I did the one thing that I was like, I can't do this story out. You know, I keep crying. And I was like, well, then I need, need to say it more. I need to say mm. it more out loud. And that's why I made the choice to turn the book into a spoken word show. And I remember when I was first doing it, it was really uncomfortable. And, and, but then uh, it was felt so good because afterwards, uh, when one person reads your book, they might come up to you and say, you know, thank you. But when you have the energy of 300 people that all of a sudden, um, there's a point where kind of like the consciousness of your heart connects. Mm. And in that room, it's, um, this is where I feel like uh, we move beyond the self-help, self-healing world into collective healing. And, and I think that is so important for us to gather and listen. And I, I see this over and over again on my retreats of women coming together, speaking their truth at the, so many times they'll say, I've never shared this with anyone before. Mm. 
and they don't have to share it with the world, but sharing it in this little circle one time, their life completely changes. And a year later, it's interesting to see what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, stories just connect us all, right? There's just something about sharing the truth and there's just something about it that, yeah, it's like when someone's willing to just express their, their truth, their path and what's happened, it's like instant connection, especially with women. Yeah, I it's interesting because the my book about healing my body uh, after you know years of um, being dis- disconnected from assaults and being molested, and finally you know uh, write this book autobiography of an orgasm. It came out in two thousand fourteen, and you know I was a I, I hadn't even told my mother you know the the s- stories from the book, and you know when it came out, you know people were quietly supportive. Mm. Um, but there were several people that were well-known that didn't want to come out to support it because of their careers in the traditional medical world. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was, it was so it was, but they were saying, oh, we're sharing this with our patients. We're sharing this with our clients, but we, you know, aren't comfortable, not comfortable giving an endorsement. Then fast forward to 2017 and the, the Me Too movement. And I, you know, it was incredible to have so many people get up and speak their truth. Yeah. Um, at the same time, what I felt like I did really well with my book and in my shows and in general when I'm working with writers is we don't want to get stuck in the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I told the story's not focused on what happened to me. The story is focused on how I healed myself and mm-hmm. what I did with that. And so, you know, with so many people hearing, you know, me too, me too. And people don't want to listen. People, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're like, they're angry women. Well, yes, we're angry. We haven't shared these, you know, that's just a part of our life we haven't shared. But how can we move from that anger to telling in a story in a way that it heals ourselves. And I think many women and men too are getting stuck in the, um, in the anger phase and that's, you can't heal yourself. Um, And I would also say is, you know, it's been beautiful to have the women speak up and I hope there's space for more men to speak up because Mm -hmm. in the circles that I deal with, I uh, constantly hear stories about, um, about men and the abuse and, if someone's abusing uh, you, they have most likely been abused too. So mm. um, I hope we can create a space for the men to speak up to and uh, for us to uh, stop these cycles. Uh, yeah. You know, my daughter's um, 28 years old and I have two young grandchildren that are two and three, two girls. And I don't want this to be a conversation in their life. I want it to be a, a conversation that that rape doesn't exist 20 years mm-hmm. from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I have to say when I read your book, the first one, the autobi- autobiography of an orgasm, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I was like, I read it and I, I couldn't stop reading it. Cause like it was, your story was just, just like some parts are hard to read, <laughs> um, but it just needed to be read and shared. So like, this is like, this is a book that I just, it just can't sit on my shelf. So I like, I gave it away and I'm like, okay, it's meant to be passed on to other people. Um, and then I remember, didn't you have like a second book come out with collective stories of other women? Collective, yeah. So after Autobiography of an Orgasm came out, I started receiving stories from, um, 
both friends, but mainly from people that I didn't know from all over the world, you know, writing me emails saying, thank you so much. And this is my story. And I couldn't believe the stories that they were sharing. And, uh, and then I realized, oh, they're sharing their stories because I gave them permission mm. to you to finally say this for the first time. And so I um, quickly realized, like, we need to hear these other stories. And so I've published three books of reader stories, and mostly women and um, some men. Uh, and it was very helpful to because it's all different ages and and you know once again this was we there's healing in these stories it's, the stories aren't about what happened to them the stories yeah. are about how they didn't just heal but how they you know uh, how they reclaimed these lost parts of themselves mm -hmm. and then that became part of their greater soul work mm, yeah i love that yeah, I've just, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, going back to Koya, which we started at the beginning, the one thing I love about Koya, because I was doing Koya and I was doing writing circles. And in these writing circles, um, I don't know if it was just me, but usually the stories that were coming up were, you know, hard stories. And I yeah. do think sometimes people get with me because I've told a story that was hard to share, that they feel comfortable doing the same. But um, it can also be uh, very upsetting mm -hmm. and uh, triggering. And so uh, the beauty of Koya is we um, know that emotions can get stuck in our body. And so I combine Koya with the writing retreat. So it literally like uh, moves the story out of mm -hmm. our body. Uh, I love so that. we can say these harder stories and then move it out of our body. And that's what our bodies are wanting to create space so that we can, um, you know, dance and write in the direction that we want our life to go now with all of that past stuff mm -hmm. off of us, out of us. I love that. And so the people who, like the people who come to the writing and movement, like the Koya retreats, is it um, not so that they can publish anything, just so that they could be better at writing it and expressing their yeah. story? Well, many, some people just come, come because they uh, want to explore writing, mm -hmm. uh, but many of them will say, I'm not a writer, but people keep telling me I should write a book. Oh. And so I love those people that come because uh, many of them do go on to write books and that mm -hmm. makes me really happy. And, and what they, what they're surprised with is, uh, when you know we workshop their stories, so I'll listen to their story, and then also within the group setting, we'll listen to each other's stories. And usually, there, when people tell me their story, there's actually a line in the story, and that's the story. So it's like ten percent of what they're telling me. We pull that out, and that that then all of a sudden their story comes together. Mm. And we use these fifteen-minute writing prompts as a way to. Um, invite in different angles of the story that they might not be thinking about. And uh, one of the writers on my retreats last year in Bali, uh, who I'd never met, but she had read my book and she came from Colombia, Tatiana Arias, as she just published um, her book in both Spanish and English, Love Heals. And she, um, it came out of a writing prompt. Mm. Uh, she came to write a book on financial happiness. 
And, and I was like, I don't do self-help. I'm not the, I do memoir, personal history, storytelling. And I was like, I'm not the one for you on financial happiness. And she's like, no, I want to work with you. And it's interesting because her book is so beautiful. And it talks about things that we don't normally talk about. But within the book, I didn't realize this because I was the editor for it. I didn't realize this until I was done with it, that we were done with it, that she did get in the financial happiness piece. And <laughs> so once again, when we, um, you, you'll just be surprised how your stories start to come together, but you have to, it's like being an athlete. You have to start giving them some attention. Mm -hmm. Um, so one thing I did last year was start the year with 40 days of writing prompts that I, people could join me and I'd email them a writing prompt every day. And I had people from eight countries all over the world doing them for 40 days. And it became so popular that people kept saying, well, can we do, you know, two more weeks or can I join the next round? I'm like, there's no next round, <laughs> but I did three rounds of it. And then finally realized, Oh, I have, you know, a book. This is a book. So and in December um, of 2019, I released a book called Write On, mm -hmm. a daily writing practice for anyone with a story to tell. And it's 365 days of writing prompts. And, uh, and it's, it's been really joyful to, it's, you know, we're doing this on uh, 22 days into January, our interview. And I have people that have really stuck with it every day. And it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. There's no rules with this book. I don't like books that say, if you don't follow these seven steps, you have to start over. Like, right. just open the page and believe that the prompt that comes up is meant for you that day and write for 15 minutes. And then maybe you'll call your best friend or your mom and read, read it out loud for no feedback, just to mm. read it out loud. So it's just getting us to, to, um, to move this creativity that is naturally inside of us. We are natural storytellers. We just forgot that we were, we were told at one point, um, that you're, you know, I was told at one point I, I wasn't a good dancer when I was nine. And as a, in kindergarten, I colored outside the lines mm -hmm. and, so I stopped doing art and we, um, you know, I just, I find such pleasure in writing, even if it's not for a book, just, and I really find pleasure in gathering in the circle of women and listening to their stories. Mm, I love that you said like sharing the story with no feedback. Yeah. 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 Which is hard for people. And this is, this is compares to Koya in my retreats because, uh, the writers like they want feedback and, <laughs> and you know, they all, and we, so we, when we listen to the stories, um, we'll go around one by one and you know, the first couple of days, maybe people don't want to read because they're worried about the writing by day three, everybody's reading. And, but we don't give any feedback because I just want their voices to take up space. Mm -hmm. I want the words to take up space without worrying about doing it wrong. Um, but in this last retreat to Bali, by the end of the like fifth day, we started, since we weren't allowed to clap or uh, give any positive feedback, um, what we did was we would slurp our Slurpees extra loud. We <laughs> I love that. So we found little ways. Um, but yeah, we just, and Koi is the same way. You will never be in a Koya class and hear the Koya teacher say, beautiful job or nice yeah. movement. It's the idea is to go in and to say that to yourself if it feels good. Mm -hmm. And so we need more self-validation versus, because um, once again, as we started to say at the beginning, we are the experts on our bodies and mm -hmm. our writing and our life. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
And so um, I remember like during the Bali retreat, um, I think you shared that for your writing to come through, you also move daily, mm-hmm. like you incorporate the Lakoya practices. Do you still do yeah. that? Yeah, I do. I will do um, uh, like 15 minutes of movement. Sometimes it's putting on three songs and uh, just letting three random songs and dancing or doing a little bit of yoga. I love to go for walks. Mm-hmm. Um, I Sometimes if I go for a long walk in the morning before I write, by the time I get back to the house, I have so many ideas. It's like running back to a lover, you know? So it's like, it's, it's like uh, some of my retreats um, on a retreat to France once, I didn't let the writers write for the first two days because they were oh. expecting, because I really wanted them to want it. Yeah. And by that, but we, what we did was like really nourish our body and nurture our bodies. And then, um, and that's what I want the writing to be. I want it to be like really, fun and something that you look forward to and not uh for me it's hard to understand writer's block i just it, it doesn't exist anymore if you if you feel like you're having writer's block then you're probably not telling the right story mm. and maybe get up and circle your hips a couple times uh but this is where the prompts are so good if you have writer's block open the book to the prompts or pull a, a card, if you have a card deck like tarot cards, and use that as a prompt. Or use the next um, sign, you know, we all talk about the synchronicities in our life. The next synchronicity, use that as a writing prompt, but just write for 15 minutes. Mm, that is so good. Um, when I saw your hosting retreats, I think like you had France and, uh, well, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And like, those are such, I don't know, there's just so what, like poetic. <laughs> places so like the environment is set up for it i always say like you don't need to go to france or bali to write with me or to write your book and that's a big thing i was like if you're not doing it then um how are you going to do it there but i Mm. will say it's also a very nourishing environment when you have three beautiful meals made for you every day. We do some dancing and moot koya in the morning, and then we do our writing, and you feel supported. So, because writing can be a really lonely, um, a lonely thing, and that's when you know you don't know if it's any good because you're just writing on your own. And and so I, for me, the shift from. Uh, wanting to be a writer and then claiming myself. I claimed to be a writer before I ever thought about publishing a book. Mm. I had to say, I am a writer and I'm working on the story. Maybe it will become a book, but I I am a writer. And then the next thing was to invest in uh, writing workshops and retreats. You can do them online. Uh, You can find them in your community. Like to show up and have to... uh, um, have a deadline to deliver, you know, work on a story. And here's the key thing. If someone's thinking about writing a book, you don't have to show up on a retreat uh, with an idea for the whole book. Uh, on a retreat or even in a writing workshop, what I want you to do is write one good story. Mm. Because if you can write one good story, you can write one good book. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to focus on one story. And, and that's what feels so good to see people really, because so many people come in with this huge story and, and, and I was that person, you know, just going off in all these different directions. And so we just get you really focused and you write that one good story and then you write the next good story and then you write the next good story. Mm. And then you end up having a book or a TED talk or a lot of great um, material for newsletters 
or podcast. Mm. <laughs> oh, I love that. And so do you see the difference between like journaling versus writing? Like, cause yeah. I love to journal. Um, yeah. Yeah. So journal is, journaling is very important. And I know most people, the artist way I think is this 25 years um, anniversary. Many people have done the artist way, which is uh, you do just write uh, three pages in the morning and you never look back at it again. Hmm. And that's getting out. Uh, that's more of like this happened to me. And, you know, it can be more, uh, it's not writing that you necessarily, you're not supposed to ever read it again, but I wanted people to start structuring stories. So I do believe in journaling. And then after you journal, I believe in spending 15 minutes a day on a writing prompt. Gotcha. And uh, because we need to know, especially if we are uh, working in an area where we are um, coaches or selling online or branding ourselves, we need to be able to tell a story. And who mm -hmm. we're selling uh, is we're selling ourselves. We're selling our story. Yeah. So um, what we're not. Uh, so uh, three pages of victim me. Like nobody wants to hear from me. Uh, I was divorced, and then. Uh, you know, and then he, then he married the nanny and then I got rid of my, my house and I've had been sexually like, no, those are like these stories like, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. But when we start the story from a place of, um, uh, I was, um, you know, my former husband took my house away. So I just decided to go purge all my stuff and live around the world for, you know, and explore at the age of 50, you know, what it's like to live without things you know, that story is going to pull readers in versus like all these bad things happen to me. And that's yeah. my journal pages would be about the bad things that happened to me. My um, storytelling would be about uh, maybe something that happened to me and then what I did with it to, uh, you know, live in the direction of, of my dreams. Mm -hmm. And that's what you did, right? You traveled for a while. You didn't really have a home base. Your, your home was your body, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was when we talk about, you know, our soul work. Uh, and once again, I grew up in the, you know, Methodist church in conservative Indiana. You know, we didn't, there was no talk about soul work. We believed in the father, the son, and the Holy spirit and good marriages. And suddenly I'm, you know, uh, you know, in my middle forties divorce, my kids are away from home and, and I've never had an orgasm and, and then finally start realizing having these memories of being, you know, molested when I was younger and mm -hmm. starting to put the connection together of why I didn't feel good in my body, why I didn't feel safe in my body. So, um, so you just, you, it's writing is a way to go, you know, back and look at our life story and then, um, you know, really make ourselves the hero of our life story. And so I was living without a home for the last five years. I still live in an Airbnb. Um, and it's interesting because I just committed for nine months uh, in this Airbnb. I've been living like two and three months at a time. And it was working. It was great. And then right now I'm really wanting to be at home. I live close to my grandchildren. I realize the moving around is impacting me finishing the next book. And I also want to grow community where I live. Mm. And I like my solo show uh, and retreats I was doing in other places. And I live in this beautiful place. So I'm really committing to having writing workshops and retreats here. And oh. um, 
yeah, and just being here. So I'm going to, but the gift was, as you said, I was able to remember that my first home was my body. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that was a gift from not having a home. Mm, that's awesome. I love that. Like you technically signed a lease. <laughs> I know. Well, it's so funny. I talk about this in my uh, next book uh, that's coming out, Chasing Temples, of after I got a divorce. This is 20 years ago. And this was like early internet dating was internet dating was just becoming popular. And so I looked at, there were only a few, you know, there weren't that many sites then, but I looked at, you know, match and several right. sites. And I decided that eHarmony was the, you know, best site, the women in those pictures. And, and, you know, if I'm bringing a man into my children's life, it's gotta be the eHarmony, the soulmates. And so eHarmony, they ask you to, um, to fill out like a 60 uh, question personality profile of how you see yourself and how your friends see you. So I, you know, spent one Friday night doing that when my kids weren't home. And after I filled it out, I pressed send and a screen comes up and it said, um, you know, in just a few minutes, we're going to have the results of your personality profile. And I had the credit card ready to pay $250. Mm -hmm. which, and it says, you know, it potential, maybe even your potential soulmate. And I'm like, $250 is a great deal for a soulmate. <laughs> and after a few minutes, it said, we're sorry, but in a low percentage of cases, we find that your person, we can't offer you a membership because we want to set up long-term relationships and your personality is not conducive to long-term Are you kidding? <laughs> and I was like, I'm long-term relationships. And then I realized the last six years, I have not been able to commit to a home for more than three months at a time. So I, this might be an area that I need to work on. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's I awesome, was rejected actually. by eHarmony. I know. <laughs> hey, you saved your 250. <laughs> I know. Well, and, this, and then a couple years later, I was at dinner at a, at a dinner and one of the men there brought a woman from LA and she was a beautiful model and actress. And I was asking her what she's done recently. And she said, oh, I'm in the new eHarmony commercial. And I'm like, those aren't real people. And she's oh. like, no, they're all actors. I was like, well, good. I'm glad I didn't give them my oh, money. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> yeah, eHarmony. I've been on that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I'm just so grateful we had the chance to connect. Um, and I just, I love that your work is really about bringing out women's voices mm. and their pleasure. Mm. Yeah. Well, and thank you for your podcast and the diverse um, subjects and groups and women that you bring on. And uh, I uh, love that you are really aligned with um, also empowering women's voices and, and allowing them to be heard. Thank you. Mm -hmm. How can people learn more about you? My website is BetsyBMurphy.com and I'm most active on Instagram which is the same Betsy B. Murphy. Uh, if you send me private messages through my website or on Instagram, I'll, I'll get them. And it's only me responding. I don't do messenger. So on Facebook. So yeah, it was funny that I caught you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I'll also put the links to your books and mm -hmm. uh, you have upcoming retreats as well. I have, uh, well, uh, write some online actually writing um, circles starting in February, okay. uh, March and April. And then I will announce um, other retreats in California 
within the next month or so. Okay, perfect. Well, for our listeners, they could totally stalk you <laughs> for California retreats. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much, Betsy, for your time and for being on the show. Thank you, Michelle. Take care. Join our free private Facebook group community, Sacred Emergence, to receive more connection, guidance, and support. And take part in our five-day inner confidence challenge to not only boost your confidence, but to help activate your inner leadership. Details in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit. Until next time.